1: Yeah, it should be a great weekend. Look like uh, uh, some good high school football weather tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. Should be very nice. What, Saturday in the 70s, so cannot wait for a big weekend. And, of course, Sunday, the big game. Browns and Colts at Lucas Oil. All the pregame coverage at 9 a.m. And then the man on the call, Matt Taylor. And he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this football Friday. On the fan, Maytay, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning to you guys. Man, I can't wait. Uh, It's a big one at Lucas Oil on Sunday. We'll get to the Browns. I guess, you know, we just, there's so much that has happened, whether it be uh, the disappointing game in Jacksonville. Uh, I want to talk with you about Minchu as this becomes his team. Obviously, Grover Stewart and then the Anthony Richardson news is something we've talked about all week. I guess I I feel like I'm going to know your answer, Mayte, but how much of a bummer was that when that news came out? What was it, Tuesday, Wednesday, that AR going to have? Have surgery here within the next week to ten days, and would miss the remainder of the season.
2: Yeah, I mean on the on the drag meter, it's it's pretty high, man. I mean, considering how yeah. how, how funny was to watch and uh, what this season meant not only for the team's success but his development and uh, trying to get him up to speed in the NFL. Just the fact that he's. Going to you know miss over 13 games uh, in his rookie season. It, it's certainly not ideal, but you know, like I said last week, I, I'm more worried about the shoulder. I'm more worried about his physical uh, bounce back, and um, more just more worried about the mechanics of that of that shoulder and, and the muscles inside of it than I am um, just stunting his growth because he was just. I think further along than we all, you know, thought, you know, we talked about that last week, but you know, it's a cheesy metaphor, but it's the one I've been using all week, you know, this week with the loss to Jacksonville, you know, losing that on a chance to go into first place uh, with that game and then them winning last night and then, you know, the Richardson news, the Grover Stewart news this week. It just feels like that shoe has come untied a little bit. You know, you had a little bit of momentum. You know, the the laces were tied up pretty good after that Tennessee game. You know, you're feeling really, really good. You got the monkey off your back into that streak the Titans had on you. Then you come back, you lose a really important game in terms of the ramifications of it, right, all that was on the line in the AFC South. Even though it was a week six game, that game still had some – some consequences if you will and then the off the field news this week it just it just seems like that shoe has come untied a little bit and now the Colts this week have to go back to work uh you know get a new you know set of uh, shoelaces and Mm -hmm. uh get ready for for 11 games here because there's still everything in front of this team there's still 11 games left they can still win the AFC South they can still make the playoffs but it it has to start in terms of a regroup of mindset this week knowing it's going to get more difficult but That's life in the NFL. Every team deals with it, and now the Colts have their adversity, and they know what's in front of them. They just got to go get it. Get it done.
3: Boy, I'll be honest. I did not have the shoelace analogy on the Matt Taylor <laughs> bingo card. There's nothing. Did you, what did it,
2: you think, though? I mean, on, on the cheese I, scale, what, where is that? Where I, first
3: off, I, I thought it was outstanding. <laughs> Secondly, I, I assume we're learning how to tie shoes in the Taylor household, based, based off that. Of that might
2: be part of it. Yeah, okay. that might be that might be top of mind. That that right. might be why it's why it's there. But you know, to to, to, to me and the layman's terms, man, that's what it's all about. It makes sense in my head. Wow. Yeah, that shoe a little bit. Okay, Beautiful so so I'm gonna need I'm, yeah
1: I'm gonna need to know this. Like, is there a song? Wasn't there like a song that went along with tying the shoe? Like, how do you how do you teach tying the shoe? My, I, guess. I was
2: just a loop, swoop, and pull guy. Okay. I was gonna
3: say I've my, my knots have never been very strong keep, from a keep it simple standpoint.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> keep, keep it simple. Bunny ears, is that
3: right? The, don't you,
1: yeah,
2: the, I think there was something with bunny ears. Or just wear Crocs. Just give that. the kids some, hey oh, yeah, dudes. How about that? You could, you could rock some my Crocs. Kid, Andy, my kids are not wearing Crocs. I'm sorry. Not, I, I, Andy Sweeney's had some there. Crocs, I'm,
1: right? I'm, I'm wearing Crocs right now. Crocs Are, are you wearing Crocs in this weather? You Damn right
3: I am. Well, he is. But he's got socks in them. Yeah, well, you know, it's 50 degrees out. Oh boy! Colts and are going to <laughs> need to be tougher than Andy Sweeney on Sunday with the Sox inside the Crocs. A uh, voice of the
2: Colts, There's an understatement.
0: Matt Taylor,
3: <laughs> joins us here on this Friday morning. May Taylor shift over to the other big news item of the week, and that is the loss of Grover Stewart. I don't need to remind you, but for our listening audience, first game uh, that Grover's missed in five years, You know, since the trade of DeForest Buckner happened, this duo has been on the field for every game but one. That was a COVID game back in 2020. So, life without Grover is foreign life for the Colts. This is not like they have had to deal with this really at all. Um, Give us some of the names. you. I've kind of pinpointed two names. Give us some of the names you expect and the ramifications of losing a uh, big grow for six weeks.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're making a list of, of top five, you know, most indispensable Colts, just because of how difficult they they are to replace. I mean, Grover Stewart's, pretty high on that list and to your point i think it's 69 consecutive starts for grover um he's really been a mainstay for this team since 2017 it's it's just really he does all the dirty work you know he's the guy that's you know there's not a lot of grover stewart you know posters on the on the walls of kids probably around town but i mean you, you talk to all of these coaches and all of these you know fellow broadcasters if you will and, and, the, and the guys that that always come up to me before a game that they, they, they say the colts uh, or the other team has to stop, you know, defensively it's Grover Stewart because of just all the stuff he does to muddy up, you know, the inside of the running game. And it's it's really difficult, um, you know, the, the the task the Colts have now. But those names you're talking about, Taven Bryan, uh, Adetamola, Adabare, and Eric Johnson II. Eric Johnson II is probably the closest thing to a true, you know, backup nose tackle that the Colts have. Taven Bryan can play nose tackle, but, He's probably more suited to be the backup three technique behind DeForest Buckner. So it's, it's, it's less than ideal, the situation the Colts are in. It's kind of all hands on deck. It's going to take a, a team effort to uh, match that production from Grover Stewart or at least not have a major letdown uh, against the run. And to your point, I mean, one of those games, you know, DeForest Buckner wasn't technically lost for the game, but he was on a major pitch count a couple of weeks ago against the Rams, and wasn't out there on first and second down, and the Rams not known as a, a rushing team. They ran for a buck 46 against the Colts and really kind of balanced out their offense to complement that passing game from Matthew Stafford. Um, so I, w- I would say it's more Eric Johnson than it is Taven Bryan, but the, the true hallmarks of the true principles of this defense is to get upfield, and, you know, Grover could do both. Grover had speed and power, so he was the, the perfect blend to, to stop the run up front. But Taven Bryan's more known as a a speed guy, kind of disrupt things in the offensive backfield. I think Eric Johnson is, is probably a speed guy too, has a little bit more power, obviously, than Taven Bryan. But that's what the Colts want to do, is they want to penetrate gaps, they want to get in the offensive backfield as quickly as possible. It's a big reason why they lead the NFL in tackles for loss with 39 of them, and they got a bunch of sacks, too, from a lot of different players, including those backup interior defensive linemen. So, Grover's loss is going to be felt, there's no doubt about that, but it's next man up, and... You know, you, you can't cry about it. you got to figure out a plan, and I think it's going to be a combination of just about everybody you have at your disposal there between Brian, Johnson, Adebarre. Maybe you kick some of those hybrid guys inside based on the down and distance, you know, Taekwon, Lewis, um, Dio, Adangbo. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a tall order here for the Colts, and we'll see – you know, what's the best plan of attack is for them coming up on Sunday.
1: Matt Taylor with us here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. He's on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. May uh, you know, we talked last week before the Jacksonville game the one thing you felt good about was Gardner Minshew not being volatile, right? Being a backup quarterback that didn't make mistakes that took you out of games and he was not good in Jacksonville. How much of that do you contribute to he was just jacked up to be playing Jacksonville and no doubt the Jags are playing much better Football. We saw that again last week and last night. And I guess, do you expect Gardner to be, you know, back to more of who he is on Sunday against the Browns?
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. I think hopefully here in about five, six weeks, we look back on that Jacksonville game and say, you know, that was just kind of the blip on the radar and, you know, true to form in his career. I mean, Prior to Sunday, his touchdown-interception ratio was like 3-to-1. I mean, it was historically good. And, you know, he had never suffered a three-interception game. You go back and look at the picks in in that game last Sunday. I mean, they're just high, errant throws you know, throws that he traditionally just dials in for first downs and takes what the defense gives him. So maybe, yeah, maybe it is kind of fair to say, maybe human nature got the best of him. Maybe he was jacked up. Maybe he was a little more, you know, amped up going back and playing his former team in Jacksonville, right, the place that he got his start. Um, you know, I think that's only a question that, that he can answer. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Gardner Minshew, you know, in his career has not showed to you know be the quarterback that makes those mental mistakes, that makes those or misses those easy throws for, you know, completions and first downs. He's a You know, a typical quarterback that, you know, takes what the defense gives him. He's really, really good at um, converting inside the zones. Um, But obviously, you know, Jacksonville didn't play a ton of zone last week. They played a lot of press man-man within that base defense. And I suspect the Colts are going to see that a lot the remainder of the season. Now, this Sunday I don't know because Cleveland, they run their stuff and they run it really, really good. They they sort of just – uh, encapsulate, you know, the beauty of Russian cover. They've got really, really good players up front and really, really good players in the back end of the secondary. And they're going to do press man to man as well on the outside. That's why it's incumbent on these receivers for the Colts to give Gardner Minshew a chance, have somewhere to go with the football. And I've said all week, you know, you got to get free release off the line of scrimmage. And if you can't do that, you know, with Michael Pittman Junior and Alec Pierce just just winning their matchups against really good players like you know Newsom and Emerson and Denzel Ward then you got to scheme it up right stacks and bunches uh maybe go in motion have the formation get you open a little bit you know that's a lot what the Rams did you know a couple of weeks ago it's what they do under Sean McVay so you got to do it some uh, some form some fashion in this game and it's it's really imperative for everybody else to help Gardner Minshew because you know, this offensive line's playing well, but it's more of a tip of the cap to that defensive line and those pass rushers from the from the Browns. You know, inevitably Minshew's not gonna have all day to throw the football. He's gonna have he's gonna need to have some some quick throwing lanes and some open receivers early in the down to have success.
3: Again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is with us our coverage in nine A. M. back to back home games here for the Colts coming up. Browns and Saints. Obviously it'll be Matt, Rick Venturi, and Larry Overton on the call here. In week seven. Matt, I was talking about it earlier in the show. I think it's just paramount. You find an outside of the box way to score slash set up a short field. Is that special teams? Is that, you know, the Josh Allen Gardner Minshew strip? Is that something you can dial up potentially against a third string quarterback? And I say that because again, I think the, the Browns defense is as impressive as I've seen really in quite some time. What has stood out to you the most in looking at this Browns defense?
2: Well, it's it's so impressive, and it's it's not – you know, you ask everybody. You ask Rick Venturi. you ask Shane Steichen, you ask the quarterbacks, you ask Sam Ellinger, you ask them, like, why, why are they so good, and they really don't have an answer other than just to say they're really good at doing what they do. And that just sort of goes back to what I talked about. They're not overly complicated, right? They're not, like, running some – weird defense that somebody invented in the offseason. They they just have really good players executing the scheme under Jim Schwartz. It just sort of boils down to that. And the, the most impressive thing to me, at least statistically, is, and I think you've talked about it earlier this week, Kevin, is just they're, they're forcing teams to punt a boatload And that point total is down around 15 points per game. And they're doing all of that without forcing takeaways. They only have four takeaways on the season. They rank 31st in the NFL in takeaways. That really doesn't jive with having the best defense in the NFL. You think one kind of goes along with the other, which I think makes their defense even more impressive that the point total is that low and, you know, the yard total is that low. And they're just playing defense straight up without, you know, forcing those takeaways. Another thing that's crazy to me is they've got a 39% three-and-out rate, which is by far number one in the NFL. And I talked about the point total, giving up only about 15 points per game. That actually should be a lot better if they had a a better offense. If the offense for the Browns helped their defense – you know their defense would be even more otherworldly, if you will, because about 47% of the points that they have allowed this season have come off of offensive turnovers by the Browns, and the Browns are turning it over a lot this season. And that you know, stems from their lack of quarterback um, you know, consistency. They've used three different quarterbacks this year, so they're just a really, really good defense. They don't give up red zone drives. They don't give up first downs. So I think your idea there to, to score in another creative way uh, and get a, a cheap you know, three points or a cheap touchdown either on special teams or defense, that would be monstrous in a game like this.
3: All right, Matt, it is the 10-year anniversary of Peyton Manning's return to Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, you were on the sideline that, that night, is that right?
2: I was, yeah, yep, yep.
3: I, any vivid memories from that? We were talking earlier with Greg Rakestraw. I think the Mathis strip sack to me is one of the loudest moments i've ever heard lucas oil stadium yep uh just a crazy game i was looking back on it last night i forgot how back and forth and wild turnovers and mcafee had the big hit on trend and holiday all that stuff (laughs) so
2: uh any vivid memories from that one yeah i got a lot of memories uh it was you know first um first first year on the sidelines and it was a sunday night game i remember the weather was just absolutely beautiful uh, obviously this time of year you know like 70 degrees on a sunday night the roof was open peyton's return that they, they had the great tribute video i know they spent internally they spent like they had like 17 different revisions because <laughs> <video. laughs> they had to get it you know just right just timed up you know well and have all the the, the different and appropriate people you know with their um uh, tributes to to Peyton in that video, so um, you know they they did him justice that night. I remember the pregame ceremony, you know, with him, you know, kind of patting his chest and the shoulder pads, uh, you know, in his appreciation for his time in Indianapolis. And then the game itself, you're right, it was nuts. And then the Robert Mathis strip sack um, in the end zone. The only other time I remember Lucas Oil Stadium being louder. Uh, was the comeback Kansas City game uh, in the playoffs? Other than that, that was that was a pretty epic moment for Robert Mathis to finally get his shot on Peyton Manning, not wearing that red jersey in practice. He talked about talked about it all week, and he finally he got his chance, and he didn't miss. And that was a a monster play in that game for the Colts. And um, you know the the young guy Andrew Luck kind of kind of beat the old guy in Peyton Manning, but. Um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a memorable night.
3: Yeah, an absolutely iconic night, to say the least, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, again, Colts and Browns coming up week seven. That is Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, enjoy the weekend at home, and as always, man, thanks for the Friday chats.
2: Yeah, my pleasure, guys. You guys do the same. Matt Taylor, voice
3: of the Colts right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And you know, We talked about this a little bit earlier with Greg Gregstraw. Andy, it is pretty amazing to me when you look at the Browns, all of the local Connections, You know, Dewan Jones, the Ben Davis product, starting at right tackle. David Bell, uh, obviously the Warren Central, you know, and both these guys, incredible dual threat high schoolers. Um, David Bell is kind of a rotational wideout for them, not playing a ton, but it's certainly getting some snaps for them offensively. And then former Colts, Anthony Walker, uh, had a nice run here as a linebacker, mm-hmm. a little iffy in concussion protocol this week. He did practice yesterday, though. Uh, so we'll see about his status. Obviously, r- you know, really good friends with Shaquille Linder and Zaire Franklin and those guys. Uh, Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator, of course, was one of the many candidates to be the head coach here for the Colts last offseason. Uh, Rodney McLeod, veteran safety, played a big role for the Colts last year. So a lot of local flavor to this one, not to mention it, of course, is a big game. I feel like as a prediction – I feel like Jonathan
1: Taylor is scoring on Sunday. Okay. How's that? Just to take a left turn. Sure. I'm looking at it. We even talked about how many reps he's going to get. What would the touchdown prop look uh, like? Are you looking at that? Anytime touchdown? No, score? I'm not, but I'm all, but I am looking at Zach uh Zach Moss over 35 and a half.
3: <laughs> for rushing yards for, Zach for Moss? rushing
1: yards, yeah. Now, I I, I, I know, I know who go. The, defense the is.
3: Let's go back to the question you just asked. Yeah. So, week 1, 10 Snaps yes. for Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss got whatever it was, 50-something. Week two, mm-hmm. that number became much, much closer to 50-50. If yes, you look at the, the amount of touches each of them had, I think they both finished the game with 13 touches apiece. So that was obviously a 50-50 split. Zach Moss started in Jacksonville. He played uh, in the game 39 snaps. Jonathan Taylor played 33 snaps uh Trey Sermon actually played the final seven snaps of the game as that one was obviously uh over at that point do you expect that number to continue to climb are we now to where Taylor's 70 30 80 20 I
1: was gonna say 65 35 something like that I don't think there's anything wrong with it like Zach Moss does he okay two things with Moss and Taylor and with all the news we haven't talked about this a when does Taylor take the starting job now, not that it totally matters. Again, you right. don't have to start or get the first series even to have the most attempts, have the most rushes, catches, whatever it is. And then when they got to the goal line, they went with Moss. Do they always go with Moss? Those are, to me, the two questions. So I'm I, my gamble here would be, Taylor, if they get first and goal at the four-yard line, second and goal, whatever it may be, this time they give Taylor or try to get Taylor the touchdown. Last week they got Moss the touchdown. You
3: know, I would like to see them in the backfield together. Um, I'd like to see them in huddles together. Listen, I agree with you. Because I thought something that Moss has shown this season, Andy, capable receiver and that is not something he did at Buffalo much more of a traditional first and second down guy he has been a and honestly capable is probably not giving him enough credit he's been a pretty good receiver for you look at the play that Taylor made last week you know talk about a time you needed to inject some life into your offense boom you know crossing route and, and all of a sudden Taylor's off the races for you know 40 yard gain when they really really needed it of course Minshew throws a pick whatever three or four plays later but that's neither here nor there uh, but I would like to see those two involved together. Especially, you know, okay, if Kylan Grant is out of the lineup, we'll see how Alec Pierce looks today, if he can give it a go. you got to find other ways to try and ignite your offense. Short yardage. Again, putting those two in the backfield together. But um, I would say a Jonathan Taylor touchdown. I'm going I'm to look up. not the craziest thing. I'm, I'm yeah, going to look tr- up the anytime
1: I, touchdown was tra- I was Taylor. trying to find it on on DraftKings, and there's just so many numbers. I can't, like, you know, we've talked about it. There's... We still need to make our picks, by Yeah, way. I know. There's so many... There's so many down stories with the Colts right now. I and mean, this last week has been ah, the Colts are being the Colts, back to the same old thing. I, that's why the importance of this game. To stop the bleeding and the feel good. There is something about having feel good around a team. And if they go out there and they lose 16 to 3 on Sunday, uh, that's going to be Minshew back to back rough games. And I know we can say, well, the Browns defense is historically great. And then the week before, uh, you know, it was in his head going back to Jacksonville and everything like that. But like, it's time. You have two guys. Who right now this season are are top shelf running back. Zach Moss has had a great year and Jonathan Taylor has had what three weeks now to get his footing. He is a healthy player. We saw the uptick last week. Like to me, to me, this is a this is a Shane Steichen game. How, how, where can he find points doing right. something that might be different to a Browns defense that is great? I mean, Minshew goes out there and throws three picks, it's not going to matter. There's nothing You're Steichen have to, to out do. Scheme. You're going to have to scheme yeah. up some things. Yeah. yeah, this you, you is know, a
3: game where, again, where do you lean towards offensive strengths? Moss and Taylor. Yeah, Steichen, I think, would be honestly probably next. On that list there, because this has just been such a stout defense. And I thought Matt Taylor made an interesting point about the Browns. It's not like they scare you from an exotic nature. They don't really, they're not overly complicated pre-snap. They just they just line up and they say, we'll probably play a good amount of man coverage, and we're just going to come at you with our 11 and more often than not, we're going to beat you up. Yeah. And that's what they've been. So, again, how can Steichen find some creative ways to get others involved and you know, I said it to lead off the show and I mean it in all seriousness, it's the puberty game. <laughs> what if it's not? What if
1: it's 31-28? <laughs> it's a game we're not we're, there's we're, no five way, six right? touchdowns. I There's I, no listen, I mean, I don't all think, all think there's kick, a way.
3: Re, kick and punt returns. No,
1: I mean, I don't think there's I don't think there's a way. No. I have not seen first one to 13 I, wins. KB, I haven't seen one prediction. And maybe somebody at the station, uh, when it gets posted at some point today, will have it. I haven't seen one prediction of this game hitting the over at 40-and-a-half. Not one.
3: Speaking Not of over, one. Shout-out to Jason Hammer. This time yesterday, he was about to give you two picks for Thursday Night Football. One was the over and the total of points in the game. But that certainly hit. And one was Derek Carr passing over <laughs> Even with Carr doing, like, the Taysom Hill thing, where Taysom Hill, you know, obviously comes into the game mm-hmm. for a few times, Carr obliterated that over-under on pass attempts. Uh, I think it was 40. He was in the 40s, and uh, that over-under was 32-and-a-half. So shout-out to Jason Hammer for well, that Well, something we need to remember next week. Yeah, I mean Carr,
1: Carr throws it's like empty calories. He throws the ball a lot. He, he, they're all five yarders. Boy, <laughs> and they're a the line a little lot. beat up
3: right now. And again, they've got I mean, Alvin Kamara needs the ball. Chris Olave needs the ball. Like, I mean, they've got some. He yelled at he yelled
1: at Olave last night. Weapons. That
3: was a big deal for him. Before we get to the pop quiz, before we get to the morning check down, Sam, is this Fred on the line that wanted to chat? Yes, yes it is. Okay, I figure we could get Fred in here before we begin thanks. What's up, Fred? Hey, good morning, guys. Love the show.
0: How y'all doing this morning? We are great. Happy Friday to you. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. You just made a comment about this being a Shane Steichen game. I totally agree with you on that. Um, That's why we brought him here. Innovative offensive mind. Didn't like his game plan last game, man. It was something, man. That's a different story. But asking you guys, man, what – uh, specifically, do you think Shane can do to offset this defense? Because one one of the things that I think is Josh down. Take him out of the slot, put him on the end, let him go deep, let him run some uh, deep routes. I think we're just selling Josh down short by keeping him in the slot. I'll I'll listen to you guys' reaction to that.
3: Fred, have a good weekend. Appreciate the call. I I agree with a lot of what, obviously, I had issues as well with the approach last week. I thought you just kind of surrendered yourself to being one-dimensional and and didn't really allow for that Moss-Taylor strength to try and, you know, kind of outbox Jacksonville, if you will, and test Jacksonville where they were at coming off the London trip. Moving downs around, I think, is a really interesting point. And, And the Alec Pierce injury maybe plays into it. I mean, Downs last week, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, that touchdown was lined up outside, right? I mean, that, that was not a slot mm-hmm. right. touchdown. I so. believe so, yeah. You know, I mean, Downs has certainly proven even early in his career he can do some things like that. Specifically, if Cleveland's going to play as much man coverage as they played last week against San Francisco...
1: to talk some baseball we'll get back to the Colts discussion reminder Matt Taylor going to join us top of the nine o'clock hour we'll talk with him getting you ready for Colts and Browns all that pregame coverage on Sunday beginning at 9 a.m reminder we are your home NLCS ALCS World Series right here on the fan and let's head on out to the Payless Liquors hotline Tucker Barnhart joins us here on the program Tucker good morning how are you today sir Good morning, guys.
0: I'm good. Sitting uh, out at the golf course, getting ready to you off here in a little bit, and uh, just enjoying uh, a little bit of the off season. Oh, were Nice. You, uh, are
3: you officiating a wrestling match th- this morning? <laughs> I- I saw your it's text. There's
0: always, always a wrestling match going on <laughs> at my house. You got two boys three years apart when the three-year-old is uh, as stubborn as they get and wants to be like his older brother. It turns into a wrestling match more times than it doesn't.
3: I'm just picturing <laughs> you, you know, yelling, two! All the (laughs) wrestling matches that I would go to, you know, they'd just be screaming two for a takedown, and the three year old gets the six year with
0: the line of being a referee and then making sure nobody kills themselves or busts <laughs> their head open or no ER visits are
3: necessary <laughs> fine line to say the least Tucker Barnard, obviously you hear you hear him a lot on on our airwaves he joins us here on the Payless Slickers hotline uh pretty entertaining from a playoff standpoint certainly with these series starting to get a little bit more competitive uh what have you made over I guess all of the uh parody, if you will, with this postseason of all the Hunterwood teams bowing out, and now it looks like both the ALCS and NLCS could be going six or seven.
0: Definitely. I, th- it's, I think to, to hit your first point about it being entertaining, it's been awesome to watch. Um, it, the, the parody, I think, in the game uh, with the use of, uh, of a team like the Diamondbacks and the speed and the defense that they play, um, I think it brings a, a different kind of flavor to the game that, that we haven't seen in a little bit. Uh, with the with the home run being the thing and exit velocity and all of the, that that stuff um, in terms of 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 pitchers and arms and everything they're kind of playing an older school type of baseball stealing bases playing really good defense and keeping themselves in the game and then the team that they're playing right now uh, in the Phillies who are just kind of slug have slugged their way to uh, to where they're at now I mean they got kind of stymied last night a little bit but uh, they're on fire right now offensively. Um, I think you, you see that for sure. Um, the interesting, one of the interesting things to me uh, that I've seen kind of throughout here is how n- not no home team really has been able to hold serve. I mean, you watched you watched the Rangers go into Baltimore and beat them there. You watched the Rangers in the first series uh, in the Wild round go into Tampa and beat them in Tampa. Um, the Dodgers go into LA and they beat the Dodgers. They take two, uh, two, um, two games there. Um, the Phillies go into Atlanta and, and beat them there. It's just been, it's been interesting to watch. It's been exciting to watch. Um, and I think, like you said, these, these next two, uh, or these last two series heading into the world series, uh, I think are looking like they're headed into six or seven games. And uh, that's the most fun uh, baseball to watch in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tucker, you mentioned road teams winning and nothing you know has held more truth than in that Astros Rangers series. How does that happen? where the road team wins. Is there any common denominator or is that just baseball?
0: I think it's a little bit of, I, I think it's just baseball. Uh, I mean, I think the old one of the oldest cliches in the book that, that you hear kind of throughout clubhouses or in baseball media is that you play 162 for a reason. Um, and I think, and, and usually um, all most series or most playoff or postseason runs um, in the regular season come down to the last week of the year. I mean, you always hear about, got a team being a half game back or one game back with one game to play or whatever, whatever the case may be. And it's just, incre- it's incredible to see that you play 162 games and the last game of the season is what ends up call- like deciding your fate, uh, as, as a team. And so I think that it's a little bit of it just being baseball. And then I think there's also an element of, Hey, it's kind of us against the world mindset, especially, um, especially a team when you're down when you're coming in and you're maybe you're not supposed to win a series or a young you're a young team like the Diamondbacks going into LA and you you really kind of play with your hair on fire and you don't really know what you're not supposed to know kind of way kind of thing so I think it's a little bit of of both of those things I think it's like kind of trying to blow down the wall of what you're expected to do and then it I think it's just being baseball, I think, it has a lot to do with it, too.
3: Again, okay, Tucker Barnhart's with us. Just wrapped up year 10 in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the Brownsburg product. And he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tucker, when we chatted back in April, right before the season started, um, you had just wrapped up, of course, spring training. And I think at that point, you were a pretty big fan of the rule changes and just you know how it kind of played out during spring training, going through a season with it. Uh, You good with all of them? Good with some of them? What were your thoughts after playing a season?
0: Yeah, I think all of the ones that have been instituted at the major league level, I think I'm I'm a major fan of. Um, I I think it speeds the game up, and I've held firm, and anybody that asks me a question about kind of pace of play or time or anything like that is nobody's out there that's in uniform, that's on the field that's trying to play a slow game it's just kind of it, it happens I mean there's a to my earlier point about it coming down to one game at the end of a 162 game season you know that going in and, and you know how important every single pitch is of every game it may not look like it at times uh, but it, it it's obviously talked about and known throughout throughout uh, the baseball world and so it sometimes longer games happen but but I think the the pitch clock did what they set out uh, for it to do. It, it sped the game up, w- and, and I think it sped the game up without us players knowing. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's like if you can add, if you can add rule changes, or you can make the game better without anybody that that's played the game forever really noticing. Um, when it's all said and done, and when you get kind of when you kind of get the newness off of it, um, I think that that that's awesome. And I, I'm a I was a big fan of all of those rules. I was in a unique position. Uh, because the way kind of my season ended up having to go, going down to the minor leagues a little bit, I saw the electronic strike zone um, and what they are anticipating um, that being if it ever if and when it ever gets to the major league level and and i don't know that that's got a little bit of uh, some things to work out in my opinion so we'll see uh, how it's adopted if it's adopted um, and and kind of go from there but uh that, that was a unique unique uh, look at at what the powers that be kind of deem the strike zone to be.
1: By the way, just as a follow-up, and then KB, started to interrupt, I mean, they shaved about – anywhere between 30 and 40 minutes off the games in 2023 this past season Tucker games were 2 hours on average 2 hours and 59 minutes i mean you go back to 2018 they were 3 hours and 35 2019 3 hours and 34 uh, i mean 2021 3 hours and 37 minutes and it shaved down to under 3 hours 2 hours and 59 minutes that's uh, that's i mean that's a lot of time that's a lot of time right. if you're watching a baseball game
0: it's huge, and I, I think in today's day and age, when it's give me my give me my enjoyment as quickly as I possibly can from a fans' perspective, I think you're going to draw in younger people. You're going to people are going to kind of stay for the whole thing um, when they when they tune in or when they're at a game versus like okay, I'm getting to the point where I feel like I'm watching paint dry, and let's go find something else to do. So I'm, a, I'm like I said, I was a, I was a big fan of it. Um, I just I hope it stops there. I think in terms of a clock piece uh, of things, but, uh, but yeah, I was a big fan of it.
3: Tucker always appreciate your time. And you brought up, um, you know, ending the year in the minor leagues in Oklahoma city, moving on to the Dodgers at the, uh, in, in August there. Um, why don't you think things worked out in Chicago? Like, like you were hoping for.
0: I'm not sure. I just think it was a direction that the, that the team kind of felt like it was, was headed. And, um, Miguel Amayo is a younger catcher that 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 um, they view as as a part of their future and and I've been that guy before. I was that guy in Cincinnati and, and you you want your your time and you, you you've earned your time and he did the, he did that and um, I, I have no ill feelings towards the Cubs. Um, I, I wish they would have made the postseason. obviously I have a lot of friends over there still that I still talk to the fantasy football league that we're still in, that we all talk on the daily basis about how bad our trade offers (laughs) are. Um, We got all of that. uh, We've got all of that still going on. Um, I appreciated my time in Chicago. I've always loved playing in Chicago and playing at Wrigley as a cub, uh, as a, as a home player was one of the coolest experiences I've had in my career. I mean, you go in there, uh, as a visiting player and you, it's a difficult place to play, whether it be traveling in from a Thursday night game and having to play a Friday day game, which is the only place in the big leagues that you do that, um, having to kind of figure that whole, that whole thing out, or, um, just the environment and the the, the fans that Wrigley bring, um, it's a tough place to play, but having that be on your side, um, and uh, enjoying the friendly confines uh, as a home player was uh, was really really cool.
3: Do you know yet what 2024 looks like for you?
0: Um, I'll be a free agent. Um, the uh, based on the way that my contract was um, negotiated and, and agreed upon, um, I have one more year, um, uh, for lack of a better term, on the Cubs' dime. Um, so I will. The way that the contracts work in the big leagues is that. Um, I'll be a free agent and then any team that wants to uh to sign me will have the ability to do so and they have to play uh pay me the league minimum and then the Cubs uh are on the hook for the, for whatever else um was is left. So I'll be a free agent. I don't know exactly what uh that looks like in terms of um in terms of teams or negotiations or anything like that cuz I'm I'm not technically a free agent until after the World Series. Um, however, I had a great time in, in LA um, in that organization. I think they do a phenomenal job um, with, their, with their younger players and with their communication. Um, so if, if that ends up happening, that would be awesome. I wouldn't be mad about that at all, um, but we'll see.
3: Again, Tucker Barnhart is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll round it out with this. You're battling the elements this morning on the golf course after the officiating of the wrestling match. Uh, I assume some Pacers and potentially a Colts game or two will be on the offseason agenda. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to here in the offseason?
0: Yeah, I think well, my wife and I are going to try to make it out to opening night uh, babysitter dependent. Uh, we'll see if we can find one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to being a dad and uh, and – constantly staring at my fantasy football teams and figuring out how I drafted as poorly as I did. So.
1: <laughs> how many <laughs> leagues are you in? I was going to say hand-raised right there. How many leagues are in you in, by four, the way? Man, I'm in
0: four. Also, every, uh... So
1: every time there's a touchdown being scored, it's probably helping you and hurting you all at one there,
0: time. I mean, no truer words have
1: been spoken. <laughs> I've Not...
0: been in, I'm, in a, I'm in a like a dynasty league that, oh, yeah. uh, that, I've, that I've been in for, I think it's like seven years now. Oh, yeah. It's a bunch of guys that I play with in the minor leagues. Um, that we're all kind of go, we've been in it. Man, it's been a long time. Uh, so that's, we've been in that one for a long time. I have one with my agency. Um, and then I have one every year, depending on where I'm at. Uh, our clubhouse always has a league. So that's the three. And then I got roped into a hometown a hometown league uh, that I don't typically do this uh, this season too. So it's typically three, but it's four this year.
1: As long as you're not in the league with Tommy Pham. Boy, that's a couple years uh, old reference if you remember that. Do you remember that, KB? Oh, the yeah. Jock Peterson uh-huh. and Tommy yeah. Pham beef before yeah. a game because of a bad trade? How about that? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I've I played, I played with a lot of guys that have been in that. League, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's to the death, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I say it's like probably it.
3: reminiscent yeah. of the six and three year old wrestling a little bit here.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
3: Tucker hit him well today. Hopefully, we see you uh, Wednesday night as the Pacers get their season underway. And uh, thanks for the time, man.
0: You got it, guys. Anytime, I appreciate y'all.
3: That is Tucker Barnhart right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline again, a 10 year run. For him, we will see what is in store year 11, and he is certainly a big, big Pacer and Colts fan, so uh, we'll be taking in that action here on the horizon. All right, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He joins us in 10.